The Athletic. Welcome to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast. Coming up, Arsenal royally relieved, Suzoko sees red, and players stop periods cramping their style. It's Lindsay Hooper here, and with me today, it's former Lioness and Man City keeper, Karen Bardsley. Hello, Karen. Hi there. And also joining you, the Athletic's Art de Roche. Hello, Art. Hi, thanks for having me again. It's great to see you both. And you've both come on to this show from being abroad. Karen was in California and came back to the Academy Stadium. Art, you were in Norway and you ended up at the Select Car Leasing Stadium, which is where I was at. How was that transition for you both with this lovely weather? You might be able to hear a bit of bunged up nasal, nasally sounds from me because I've got that seasonal cold. How was it for you? It was a nice um, retirement trip for me, finally. So yeah, it was great. I got to go back to a few places that I had actually never been to in, in Northern California, one of them being um, Yosemite. So that was pretty amazing. And then just got around to see a bunch of my friends, hit some surf down in um, like Newport Beach and stuff like that. So yeah, it was just a really great two weeks spent just kind of running around uh, California. But yeah, it's it's been a bit of a shock with the weather. I've returned to a bit of a cold snap. So mm. getting, you know, acclimatized to that. I've got two coats on here at the minute. So yeah. We're not jealous at all, Karen. You know, Art and I <laughs> looking on as you were telling that tale. Don't get me started either, Art, on Norway. I've been to Norway once and that was with Hayley McQueen. For the Offside Rule podcast, we went to Svenjor and Ericsson's house And I had to drive down a track, what I thought was a track, but it was so covered in snow there. I hope it wasn't as bad when you were there that I ended up driving down the ski part. So I, after about five minutes, saw these skiers coming (laughs) towards me and realized I'm not on the road. (laughs) What was your trip like? It was quite mad because I think surprisingly the weather was probably better in Norway than it was in Reading on the weekend. It was more about getting around. I hear that was quite a journey to get to Bodo Glimt. Yeah, so uh, we had to fly to Oslo and then had like a two, two and a half hour layover and then another couple hours on uh, a different plane to get to Bodo where I think the airport's actually on one side as you're landing, you can see the the Norwegian Sea. And then on on the other side, you have all these snow-topped mountains. So it was actually quite a nice view to be going into. But then (laughs) as soon as you get off the plane, you feel the chill. But no, it was a really nice trip. Luckily... Arsenal did well too. (laughs) The only location I have shared with either of you this weekend is with you, Art, and that was at Reading. We're going to begin there. This is where we spent our Sunday evening watching this. And now Arsenal on the edge of the box. Shot and goal. Really good finish. Yes, Dina Blackstenius' goal was all that separated the two sides in the end after Kim Little's penalty was saved by Jackie Burns. It was tense until the very end, especially knowing that four of Reading's last six WSL goals have been scored in the 88th minute or later. Wow. 
talking points, so many of them. We have a former goalkeeper on. We should talk about goalkeepers. <laughs> one in Manuela Zinsberger for Arsenal got player of the match for this one. An eighth consecutive clean sheet, nine for Arsenal in total. And she set a new WSL record. So we'll get your thoughts on her, Karen. And also... Jackie Burns coming in. Where was Grace Maloney? None of us really know. Apparently it was rotation, but you know, she had a really good celebration. I'm, I'm, I'm gathering earlier on in the week. So it might've been something to do with that. And then Jackie Burns comes in penalty save made another brilliant save inside the first minute. What was your, what were your thoughts on both of these? Yeah, I mean, let's start with uh, Jackie Burns. I think, you know, obviously she she played in in the Euros and had some great, you know, games and made some great saves and ultimately just had a great experience, I think, in terms of like top level competition and like the pressure and everything that surrounds, you know, um, an international tournament and what's expected of the goalkeepers in your performance. But was it with like the first 26 seconds? I think Arsenal yeah. were on a goal and it was a great, you know, it was, it was a great um ball over the top really well-timed run into space from Blackstinius and I thought you know what she's in here and I think she's gonna just curl this right in the corner and then yeah Jackie Burns did well to get set she was really patient in her set position and managed to just tip it around the bar and I thought I mean around the post and I just thought you know a fair play because that's a big moment against you know a team like Arsenal uh to keep reading in the game to keep the belief you know straight away you're probably feeling oh I'm on the back foot here and you, you know your, your goalkeeper pulls you out of it so I think it was a great confidence builder for her as well on her debut. And, you know, it, it's it's really exciting. There's a lot more things to come, I think. As we saw as well, you know, she saved penalty later on in the game. And, you know, we've seen, like, she's really capable in terms of her angles and her shot stopping. But, yeah, I think, unfortunately, like, when Blackstinius kind of got through for the other attempt that led to the goal, she probably could have done a little bit better with her footwork. But, you know... The old um, the old swivel hips came out a few times, I think. And um, to, to be fair, she she disguised it really, really well through traffic as well. So you know, fair play to Blackstinius for doing that. But yeah, overall, I think what a what a great debut for um, for Jackie Burns saving a penalty as well. So she should be really proud of herself. So how about Zinsberger then? How difficult is it yeah. to get eight clean sheets in a row? It's a new record, so it must be well, pretty difficult. Yeah, I mean, it's it's awesome. It's great to kind of keep seeing that bar being moved every single time, uh, every single season. And um, it just goes to show that, you know, with the, the level of investment and how much each team is improving and the, the fantastic talent that's coming in, that's only going to get more and more difficult every single year. So, you know, I think Zinsberger had a great season last season. I think she's obviously looking to build on that this season as well. So, you know, I saw her make some really... Um, instinctive saves you know when the ball's kind of pinging around in the box and sometimes all you can do is just stick a foot out you could be wrong footed and you just need to get your balance adjusted she did that a couple of times so you know with a team like Reading as well I think they would they defended really really well and I think they they would have hoped that they could have gotten at least a draw out of that game if not you know maybe another scrappy goal here and there but um those are the types of games that when your goalkeeper keeps you in it they're going to earn you points on the table and you know, in years past, I think those types of situations may have slipped through Arsenal's fingers because they may have conceded a late goal. So yeah, it was it was it was a good performance, I think, overall. Um, and both goalkeepers should be very happy. And yeah, Zinsberger, congratulations. You know, that's a a big big um, marker to put out. And yeah, she set her stall out. And she's like, right, leading the way. 
Art, as you were at this one, because there was quite a debate happening on TV with the commentator Jackie Oatley and co-coms Kelly Smith trying to decide a player of the match. Now, at this point, I'm sat <laughs> under a huge Sky Sports umbrella and it's got to that point where the drip just starts coming off the umbrella right down into my lap. So I started to lose a little bit of concentration, I'll be honest, at that point, trying to move. Was the other contender, Kim Little, up until her penalty got saved? I thought her movement the subtle turn that she did to play in Blackstenius for the goal was incredible. Having spoken to Jonas Eideval afterwards, he was singing her praises, saying that everything apart from that penalty, she did perfect. So would she have been the close second for both of you? Potentially. I think I, so, yeah. Yeah. I think her and Leah Volti are very much almost a two-in-one deal. <laughs> so it's Buy one, get like, one free. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like if one plays well, the other is definitely going to play almost as equally well. I think obviously Little was more, you saw her on the ball more often, but then what Warty did defensively, I thought shouldn't have gone, say, unnoticed either. There were moments, especially when the game was a bit frantic, where she was uh, sweeping up well. and She um, was, and, and actually was interesting because before the game, I did also inquire about whether there would be extra protection provided because mm. of the centre-back situation. And I think you're right. I think Volti did end up providing that. We must come on to the fact that for Arsenal, this was a huge rejig, wasn't it? Lotta Wuba, Moy, Karen coming in, playing along, alongside Steph Catley. So no Leah Williamson or Rafaeli Souza for a sustained period. At the moment, we're being told several weeks, both with foot injuries. And when you look at the amount of football that Arsenal have got to play at the moment, there's three away trips in seven days at the minute. What do you think about this pairing? Is it going to be there for a while, do you think? I think it's clear that it will be, yeah, for certain. But I really like a lot. I think she's a she's a great player. She's growing into the the role. I think both domestically and internationally, as each day passes, she's growing in confidence and uh, her ability to position herself to not only affect going forward but also prevent anything in um, the opposition's attack as well is 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 kind of what I'm seeing. So I think um, the the Arsenal the crew can take a lot of confidence in the fact that she is a young, budding, talented defender. So yeah, I, I think this is probably something that we are going to see. But yeah, shifting to your other point, I think it's it's going to be really important. As as I think we've touched on this maybe in a previous podcast that as as the league improves, as the players improve, as you know, demands on the players seem to increase. Um, that we are going to see more of these injuries and it's going to come down to how these domestic clubs kind of manage their players over the course of a season. And yeah, it's really disappointing that, you know, in the midst of a, a pretty gnarly champions league week for Arsenal, that they're going to miss uh, some two big hitters. Art, when it comes to Reading, Kelly Chambers after this performance said that they would have taken a lot of self-belief from that. And I think they they really had an opportunity to level at one point and, and certainly kept the game tighter than many expected. They are, though, the only side ever to have faced a team 13 times in the WSL to never have beaten them. All of those 13 matches that they've lost against Arsenal. So is there anything that you would want to change? Having viewed them last night as we're recording this, what would you be amending? If I'm being honest, not much, because I felt like they were competitive throughout the whole 90 minutes, even though 
they weren't particularly bringing any attacking threat in the first half. They were very aggressive in the way they pressed Arsenal. Obviously, Arsenal have quality players and were able to play through that at times. But you saw there were moments where they had almost three or four players up on Arsenal's back line. And you're just seeing the kind of problems that gave Arsenal, which they don't usually face every week in the WSL. And then as confidence and the word you use, self-belief, grew throughout the game, I think the only thing that was really missing was that final ball, just that final piece of execution in the second half. So for me, looking at that game, I didn't see much wrong Mm. (laughs) with Redden's performance. So I I think it would just be a case of getting those finer details um, really kind of nailed on. Because aside from that, they would have been deserving of a point, at least, I think, in most games if they performed like that. Worth reminding everyone as well that last season they started with four defeats and then went on a run of six wins in a row. So we will see how the season transpires for them. Uh, So a win for the Reds here. There was also a lot of red in Saturday's match too. Who says women's football's too nice? Mailing. Dispossessed and then Sarah Mailing with uh, something that looks more like a rugby challenge. And then the altercation continues between Mailing and Sissoko. Rachel Daly comes in to play Peacemaker and it's a red card for Harvest Sissoko. So Sissoko is sent off. And there's an argument now going on in the dugout as well. Things have escalated there. Might have just spotted as well there. Two West Ham coaches have been sent off from the dugout for their part in what happened when Sissoko came across. So West Ham have had Harvey Sissoko sent off on the pitch and two coaches sent off off it. Yes, we'll come on to that red card. Two early West Ham goals from Danny Brunyaz Dutir and Hinoko Hayashi sealed the win for the away side. After Alicia Lehman missed a penalty, Kenza Dali's goal was only a consolation prize for Villa as their unbeaten run to start the season was ended. But the scoreline easily overshadowed by incidents at the end of the game. And that is where we're going to begin because you'll have seen it by now, even if you weren't there, how are Sissoko and Paul Koncheski both getting red cards? Now, it appeared that Sissoko hit Sarah Mailing in the face. I don't know whether it was going to be deemed a slap or a push. Uh, Koncheski also sent off after a melee in the dugout area. I couldn't keep up with this. Honestly, it was like watching a soap opera unfold before our very eyes. Art, as someone who's been covering the game fairly recently, have you seen anything like this before? Not to that level, I think. Obviously, you see arguments on the pitch a lot of the times, especially in those kind of high-pressure games, those top-of-the-table clashes you see. I think um, over the years, everyone's gotten used to Katie McCabe and Aaron Cuthbert basically kicking lumps out of each other whenever Arsenal play Chelsea. But <laughs> um, aside from that, I don't think I've seen like a... a well, we remember as well, Art, maybe the, yeah. the Georgia Stanway red card. I know Karen will, will know about that and the, the after effects from it too. You should give me a look that says, <laughs> yes, I do remember that. Actually, though, it is the fallout that I think we need to focus on here because there has been plenty. I know that 
Kate Longhurst has taken to social media as we're recording today on Monday, and she's been criticizing the fact that, and I and I don't know who she's referring to, but it sounds like she's saying that fans, certainly on social media, or certainly people, have targeted Sissoko with racist messages which would be completely uncalled for. You know, you look at the fallout from this, you look at it as well, just on an overall basis, Karen, and you wonder, does it change the image of WSL? I mean, I, I made that little quirk before coming into that Sissoko clip that we heard about it's not so nice, as people always say. I don't know whether that's a good or bad thing. Certainly, we don't want any abuse of that nature coming into the game. But I, I'm not against a bit of spice every now and again. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm all for like a good, strong tackle, you know, within the laws of the game, but I don't think there's any room for any, a racist abuse. Definitely not. No. Really, really disgusting. And secondly, I don't think there's any room for, um, obviously any like physical altercations. So it's disappointing, you know, but, um, I think we can't really look at this situation in isolation either. I think it's really important to, look at the context surrounding uh, the situation, the entire, you know, the entire picture, like what was Sissoko's headspace? Like, is there something going on in her personal life? Is Because usually it's not just like this one-off thing. Usually there's several things that kind of, you know, culminate into this sort of uh, explosion, if you will, of, of emotion and outburst. So I think that that's going to be something that will have to be looked into just to understand, you know, where this behavior has kind of come from. But ultimately, yeah, it's disappointing because I think the women's game prides itself on on holding its health to a higher standard. You know, um, we're, we're role models. And listen, I've, I've found myself in really difficult situations in the past. And, you know, I, I remember thinking, like, mentally, I wasn't in a good place. And that led to probably why there were those types of outbursts and things like that. And I think, is something like that going on again? And ultimately, I mean, you see it at the weekend with like Jurgen Klopp going. He he came out and basically admitted that you know he was he lost his mind, you know, and kind of like created this like outburst, and it was something that he's not proud of. And ultimately, I think she will feel badly for you know the outburst as well. But I think you also have to look at Sarah Mailing. I think you know obviously there was a point where. She grappled and grappled and grappled, you know, a professional foul, if you will, kind of up the pitch. But then it was a level of antagonizing that kind of followed as well. You know, if, if both parties would have just kind of stepped away and, and let it, you know, just calm down, then hopefully that situation wouldn't have happened. But yeah, ultimately, I think it's it's disappointing, but it's something that's going to have to be addressed. We know, Karen, when Georgia Stanway got the red card that she did, that she received abuse as well. Any form of abuse is abhorrent. We're going to add to that too, because I've also seen that Jilly Flaherty, a Liverpool player, has been on social media as well this weekend saying, joining a new team is hard in the first place, but to not be approved of by the fans and to just get slaughtered on social media after most games by your own fans is heartbreaking. She uses the heartbreaking emoji. I've never cared about opposition fans doing it, but when it's your own fans it hits on another level that's something else you know there's this accessibility isn't there in the women's game that you can reach out and you can say what you want you're all there you're so amenable but that doesn't mean that you're saying you can just say what the hell you want to me on social media and and this obviously gets to the player's psyche yeah I think there's several several discussion points here I think ultimately like we're talking about social media and if it's something that you don't want to see then 
probably shouldn't look at it, you know, if it's going to affect your performance, you know. So I think it's the players taking some responsibility in terms of managing what they're looking at, etc. But ultimately, the abuse is not acceptable. I think for some reason, I don't know where this has come from, whether it's kind of, you see it in, in, in the stands, you, you know, some of the men's games. I've experienced it in some of the women's games where people are shouting abuse at you. And you think, if this border, this barrier wasn't here, would you be saying that to me in the street? And what makes you think you can say that? And I just think that there's a, a human element that's missing, um, you know, as soon as a keyboard gets involved or as soon as someone pays for an entry fee. <laughs> and there's no entitlement there. And I just don't understand why people seem to, to think that it's acceptable. <clears throat> At the end of the day, we are all human beings and we are, you know, trying to do our best. And yes, sometimes we make mistakes, etc. But I always like to try and put myself in other people's shoes and if you know if the shoe was on the other foot and that person was in the game and you know made the same mistake and I you know shouted abuse about you know whatever you're not good enough or you're 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 so and so is so and so then yeah I think like that's that's where's the responsibility coming from in terms of uh the fans I mean and and, and kind of I just I just don't know why you think you can kind of get away with 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 saying things like that but I think ultimately, um, it, it's just it's just disappointing. It's not FIFA, you know. We're not like robots, <laughs> you know. It, people are going to make mistakes, and I, I think the really strange thing is um, is about Jilly Flaherty's comment about you know like her own fans kind of really giving her a difficult time. I'm just not really sure what that's all about. Like they can't control who the club's signing. Obviously, like Jilly wants to play. She's playing. She's got an existing relationship with the club and then she's played under Mount Beard, et cetera. And it's just like, I just don't really, I just don't really understand if you've got an opinion, like you're supposed to be, you know, supporting your own players, supporting your own club. And I just think it's like, like extremely dis- disrespectful to not only the player, but the club itself to like be slating your own players. I just don't, I just don't really get it. So I think it's going to take a lot of self-reflection on on behalf of the the, the people who are, abusing these players but then also for the players to kind of look at well if this is something that's bothering me yes it's not acceptable I, I just want to put that out there but if it's going to affect my performance should it be something I'm looking at I think what we're saying is we're, we're all for the passion and we're all for a bit more strength and fight in the game but we've also seen a murkier side this weekend to women's football as well. And we hope that it doesn't continue to rear its head. Uh, Moving up the country now to the Academy Stadium where Man City hosted their first home game of the season. That's a gower. That's a gower. Oh, yes. Welcome to Manchester City. Yeah, that's a gower. Four for City. That's the best of the lot of them. A first win of the season for Manchester City, thanks to two goals from Bunny Shaw, a hemp header and a long-range shot as well from Yui Hasegawa on her debut after moving from West Ham during the summer. Uh, Karen, you were actually at this one, so some key tactical takeaways. What have you got for us from City for this one? Well, I mean, much like the previous uh, two games, I think there were still opportunities that were being created and, you know, it it did take a while for the second goal to come. So there were still, you know, a lot of a lot of shots. It hit the crossbar, hit the post, and you know the enthusiasm going forward was certainly there from City. But yeah, they still lack that kind of clinical edge. You know, there were a lot of shots that 
you know, it, it, the scoreline could have been greater or they could have been conceded er, um, earlier. But um, to be fair, you got to give Leicester credit where it's due. They defended their socks off. You know, Kirsty Lavelle made some great saves. And but yeah, I think ultimately, you know, you're seeing this the the standard city methodology come out here. You know, where they're very patient in their build up, looking for overloads and switching the play as much as possible. But yeah, there were a few times in Trent where when the when City got caught out in transition, that I was just thinking, you know, if this was a Chelsea or an Arsenal, like like they'd be potentially one nil down here. So yeah, in terms of takeaways from the game i think they'll take away a lot of confidence obviously in the opportunities they're creating i think um lauren hemp was exceptional her decision making was impeccable like deciding on whether to dribble take players on will be one pass the choice of crosses that she was delivering was fantastic in terms of the first goal to bunny shaw it was a nice lofted cross uh to the back post and and a well taken uh header as well by uh, Bunny Shaw and then some great deliveries from Chloe Kelly into the box. But yeah, I think just in terms of efficiency and effectiveness, uh, City just have to keep pushing that. And since all the departures in the summer, for anyone who's still got question marks over Manchester City, (laughs) they can't really have them at over them at home you, you know look at the record they've scored art at least four goals in their last five WSL home games it's the longest ever run in the competition's history uh, to score so many goals I mean they love playing Leicester City as well I think they've scored four <laughs> goals the last three times they've played them so for anyone who's taken them less serious than last season is that a word of warning potentially I think that home record is also a mentality thing because you get into those good habits, I think, when you're on those runs. You see it with Arsenal in terms of their clean sheets. But it almost doesn't matter who comes into the team. Yes, it may change. But if those standards are all the same and those habits are the same throughout a week and you go through them every time you go to a home game, for instance, I think it just becomes easier to one notice where the spaces you want to occupy are and then two it just becomes easy again to exploit them when they're there so you're seeing I think with with hemp's goal in particular I, I loved it because one the way the ball went in <laughs> off, her, off her head was just insane how quick it was but also you see how valuable their crosses are as well even though most people would associate City with just playing through teams you could see how how effective they are out wide too and I think having those I guess um, that ability to be uh, quite different in the way you attack would be really helpful especially when you face teams who are not going to be looking to go into a shootout with you if they want to sit back and you have a few different ways to attack then that's always going to help. Leicester have really got to address uh, goal scoring issues in front of goal. Only one WSL goal in the last nine games. And that one was an own goal scored by Spurs. So um, that's the area that they really need to work on. That's clear. Over on the other side of Manchester, or should I say Lee? <laughs> Not sure whether we still class it as Manchester. <laughs> uh, Manchester United knocked Arsenal off the top of the table by goal difference because they got a 4-0 win over Brighton. Leah Galton got a goal and two assists in this one. Plus there were two for Ella Toon and one for Adriana Leon. And Tottenham only managed to get one goal past Liverpool with Celine Bizet's shot uh, deflected in by Liverpool's knee. Fahi for an own goal and then that leaves us with one more to cover 
holder to Chelsea. Lee Charles still going here. Three for company. Doesn't matter. She scored. That nails it for sure in stoppage time. The substitute off the bench with a rare goal and a goal of real quality as well. Everton won Chelsea three. Two goals for Pinilla Harder on her first game back this season after injury. Neve Charles sealed the win late on with a third. Everton's only consolation was an own goal from Buchanan off a corner routine. Uh, did you think that this one was going to be slightly closer than it was, Karen? Uh, with, with Chelsea Everton? Um, no. <laughs> Go for it. No, I, I thought we'd seen some signs from Everton that they were they were going about their business a bit under the radar. But no, no is the answer. No, no, no. I think off the back of the performance against uh, against City, it was clear to see that. I think Everton are close, but uh, no. I think I think what Emma Hayes was alluding to in last week's post match uh, press conference was that you know was, um, they're looking to win. And as each game goes and passes, their 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 performances are improving and improving. So, yeah, I was expecting this this scoreline to be about right. Who knew Art that Neve Charles had goals like that in her locker? <laughs> Honestly, I think if you just looked at the scoreline and saw Harder with two goals, you probably would expect her to be scoring a goal like uh, Neve Charles's, and I think. That's where you just see the the quality and the depth that Chelsea have amassed over the past few years, and and the fact that you can have players who maybe uh, miss out a few games, like Harder. You have then Kerr and Kirby up top to to take that place, and then with Neves Charles, you just see, I guess, the technical excellence as well to be able to take the ball in in your own half, also have the strength to hold off a challenge, and then right on the edge of the box have thinkers was it three players surrounding yes it was three Um, yeah and just pick out your your spot I think you just see the level where I guess it makes it so certain for Karen and everyone else watching um, (laughs) the the kind of technical superiority of those kind of group of players um, to be able to do that you kind of almost expect them to to walk away with those games I'm sure that one will be popped into the goal of the month contenders list uh, for, for next month, won't it? We should also talk about the fact that Emma Hayes was missing for this one. Uh, the Chelsea manager having an emergency hysterectomy because of endometriosis. Um, for those of you who aren't aware, a hysterectomy is where you have your womb removed. So as you can imagine, it's going to take some time for Emma to get better. Uh, there were get well soon messages on the back of Chelsea shirts for the men and women's warm-ups. And Emma apparently was on the phone to assistant coach Denise Reddy during the match you may have clocked that one she can't give it up I will I will say that you know endometriosis awareness I'm I'm someone who suffers in this department I have done all my life apparently one in 10 women have it it's got to be something that affects the game Karen you're nodding as well you, you must know about issues within the game and something that's being explored more isn't it yeah unfortunately you're right it is it is more common than I think most people realize I've had some uh close friends that have had to deal with it and some have been in football and some haven't and some have had issues you know within the game themselves and you know things kind of rupturing and having to be rushed to hospital so yeah it's it's a really really difficult topic for people to discuss I think but yeah it is more common than people realize 
Yeah, I, I mean, art as the as the man on the on the podcast. <laughs> is it hard for you guys to get your your heads around what we're talking about, or do you feel like you're more included now and and have got a better understanding? I think most of the time it, it's it, pro- it might sound bad, but sometimes it just doesn't come into my head. Almost like if it's not visible, you almost don't really pay um, full attention to it. So you kind of in a way, just don't really acknowledge it properly. But then mm-hmm. when you start to have conversations about it, that's when you fully start to understand because then you can see, okay, it's it may not be visible to everyone, but it will still affect performance, whether that's on the pitch or off the pitch. I think all those things kind of can come into one state where it does have an effect on someone's life at the yeah. end of the day. It, um, it's it's varying from from woman to woman as well, whether you're a manager or a player. I can only speak from my own experience, but there are two days every month where I don't want to go to work. I'm in that much pain. And I don't think people see that. You know, sometimes I have to be on television when I'm doing that. Can you imagine actually having to play football when you feel like that? I can't for a second. So it, it does vary from, from woman to woman, but it is something certainly we should be talking about more and, and trying to get to the bottom of from a coaching perspective as well. Definitely props to Emma for, for being so honest as to why she's not at the football ground at the moment, why she's having some time off. Um, in recent weeks as well, we have spoken about the the colour of the shorts and changes that have been made there with West Bromwich Albion starting that trend. It's all to stop period anxiety. So we're going to continue this discussion a bit further because today we're focusing on how periods are stopping young people from playing football. Bloomsbury Football, a charity that improves the lives of disadvantaged children through the game, hosted special sessions this weekend for its members to try to break down that period barrier. So let's hear the play and their parents' reactions to breaking the taboo and receiving free period products. Free products, I think, is a pretty big game changer. Why? Because I think that will help get rid of the fear, you know, that they they know somewhere where they can go um, instead of that, that kind of clinch moment where they kind of grit their teeth and they don't know where to go to and, and they feel a little bit um, isolated. How do I, you feel? I feel like that's very good because, like, for, like, some people that can't, um, that can't, like, afford the pads or, like, the tampons or, like, the proper facilities to use during their periods... They could just like start like asking from the coaches, and also like for people that have um, forgotten um, forgotten like their pads and they're like on their period at this moment, it's very helpful for them as well. Yeah, it's, it's also going to give us some idea on how some people's temperaments, feelings, and emotions are. Have a little bit more empathy for um, some of the players, maybe even the coaches, and find out how you can relate to that and see whether you can advise or be, give a bit more guidance, you know, have a bit more empathy. It's much more of an open conversation now. And I feel like a lot of the time when we go to training, like our team feels like comfortable talking about it and stuff. I think it's changing a lot. Like more people are talking about it. Like this today just shows how much more we've overcome, like the barrier from talking about periods. So now it's just really great to have workshops about it as well. So young girls, girls like us playing sports, can learn more about periods.
That was under-16 players Carla, Ava and Shola and Shola's dad Damien as well speaking at the weekend's event. Uh, Joining us to talk about this is Bloomsbury Football's Isabel Chowsey. Isabel, we've just heard there how this weekend's workshop is helping to break down barriers. And bring us back to the start. Tell us why you set it up and the barriers that you heard people were facing firsthand. Mm, Yeah, so yeah, as you can hear, we had a really successful weekend of workshops with the Olympians for Mahana Miley MBE. Um, So maybe I'll take you back to the beginning of this journey. Uh, I started at Bloomsbury in March. And so I kind of came into the office one day and I was like, so why is no one talking about periods, you know, because we have a mission of breaking down barriers at Bloomsbury. And our mission at the moment is particularly on widening participation with young girls in the sport. So it's like, why are we not tackling the invisible barriers that, you know, we see on and off the pitch, such as periods? There's a huge stigma around it, like I experienced myself as a young person playing sport. And so we thought, let's do something about this. And so we, we were really lucky to partner up with the, the London-based sustainable period care company, Frida. And we decided to provide all of our young players with free period products. So we're giving them um, period kit bags and also providing all of our coaches with an ongoing supply of period products that they'll be able to supply to our players who bleed. But, you know, as we know, like tackling stigma on and off the pitch is not just about providing the products. It's also about education. I would argue that education is the most important part of it. So we decided that we couldn't start giving out products without having those workshops first. And so we were really lucky to get Hannah Miley on board. She's doing a lot of learning and advocacy around this space. And we actually flew her down from Scotland. Our young people were able to interact with her. We also had a workshop just for coaches. And yeah, it's just the beginning of the conversation for us at Bloomsbury. This is great that you've provided these products, Isabel, especially for, for a charity as well and, and working with younger younger women in the game. I think from a fan base point of view, we've seen stadiums start to introduce free products as well, which has been great to see over the last few years. What else is it that you're wanting to achieve? I mean, what we want to achieve with this project is also to encourage other grassroots organisations to do the same thing. Like, as you said, we are starting to see a change around this. But like it really does begin at the grassroots. We believe that, you know, these young people are getting this information so early on in their their footballing careers, but also in their lives. And we want them to spread that with their peers. So we want to see the change happening at the top level with the Lionesses, with the change of the shorts colour with West Brom women. But we also want to see the change happening at grassroots level. And just because we're grassroots, it doesn't mean that we can't also be, you know, raising the standard and and progressing the space for women, ensuring that it's inclusive. So, yeah, that's what we want to do. Art is on with us, and I understand you've got a question, Art. Yeah, I, I guess, so for for a spoiler, I guess I am male. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. <laughs> um, You're an honorary I, woman today. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I was talking earlier about just things that don't really pop up in my head. Like, so I probably would not know where to start with questions around periods and stuff like that just because I guess I even went to like an all boys school. So I wasn't really like surrounded by girls at that age. Um, so how do kind of conversations start with people who may be like a, a coach or something who may not have thought about those sort of things in their life before? Mm, I mean, first of all, I want to say thank you for your honesty. I think it's quite vulnerable to ask questions about things that you don't feel included in or that you don't know anything about. And I think we're really mindful of that at Bloomsbury. Uh, a lot of our coaches are male. Some of the coaches of the female teams or the girls teams are male too. 
And, you know, we see periods not as a women's rights issue, but also as a human's rights issue, because not all people who bleed are women or identify as women. We have non-binary players on our teams. And so, yeah, like there is a lack of knowledge out there, like our school system, our education system is failing us. So that's what we're trying to fill in on here. And we're really just trying to start a conversation. You know, we had a workshop yesterday for parents and players, and we started with a Q&A, you know, just like, raise your hand if you think this is correct. And you'd be really surprised at the amount of parents who are getting the questions wrong. Pretty, you know, basic questions when it comes to periods. So I think it really starts with education, uh, no judgment, and also just open conversation. Mm. How much is it dealt with on a professional level, Karen, when you were playing? You know, it's it's really changed a lot. Um, I think a lot of people are feeling more confident to kind of open up and have these types of conversations. And a lot of those um, perceptions are changing. Uh, I've noticed a particular difference, you know, uh, I think around, let's see, when I, when, I, when I signed for City back in November 2013, like it wasn't until maybe... 2016 that like we started seeing more products openly on display and for free at the training ground and i think that signals something to every single person that's obviously like in you know the the various vicinities and you know all of the the um toilets and facilities have them in them regardless men feel and whatever and i think it's (laughs) it's really it's really important to discuss because i remember when some of the research started coming out about it, like a lot of the male staff, you know, kind of had to force themselves to discuss it a little bit more. And you could tell that they were feeling really like uncomfortable and a bit vulnerable. And I think like at that moment, yeah, we could have taken the Mickey out of them and stuff. But we actually said like, look, they're trying, like they want to have a conversation about how this does actually affect performance. And I think one of the big, what would you say, the big platforms, I think that that kind of, started the conversation was when the US were talking about helping manage helping the players manage those periods and the symptoms in the, I think it was like the 2019 World Cup and that really got the conversation going and then like the period trackers came available like on the iPhones and the apps and then you could see a correlation between you know what you're eating what cycle what what part of the cycle that you're in how you feel um and the impacts that it has and then there's correlations between periods and injuries and so they're was all of a sudden like all of this interest in it and all of this data. Now we're all just trying to make sense of everything. So I think mm-hmm. it's a really interesting space because like some people will say, yes, this definitely affects performance and other people will go, ah, no, nah, not really. But I think what you have seen is there is a correlation between, you know, where you are in the cycle and if you do get injured, why, you know? So I think mm-hmm. that's quite interesting, but yeah, it's great to hear people finally discussing it because I think anxiety is something that, um, does come up quite a lot. Uh, you know, even when you're not playing sport as a young girl, you're kind of like, uh, you know, you're getting your friends to kind of always do like a, a seat check, you know, like those sorts of things mm-hmm. just to, just to make sure that everything's okay. So, um, yeah, I think it's great that people are starting to, to really d- discuss it and, and normalize it. That, that education piece is, is perfect, Isabel. I'm sure that we're going to revisit this again at some point in the future. Um, Isabel, have you got any more of these workshops coming up? We ha- don't have any plan for the near future. What we're doing now is rolling out the kits. Also, just to you know, add on to what, what you were saying, you know, something in London or something that's happening more and more in the UK right now with the cost of living is that you know, more and more young people are going to be experiencing period poverty. So a big part of this project at Bloomsbury as a, as a social impact charity using football uh, to like change people's lives is you know trying to overcome that period of poverty. So right now we're focused on rollout. Now that we've started the conversation, and we'll be doing follow up workshops and having that ongoing relationship with Hannah Miley. 
Oh, well, thank you very much for joining us and, and just disclosing everything that you've been up to, Isabel, and continue the good work. Thank you very much for having us at Bloomsbury Football. And yeah, let's keep the conversation going. This is the Athletic Women's Football Podcast. Next, let's have a look at what's to come this week. On Monday night, just after we record this, uh, the Ballon d'Or winner will be announced. So congratulations to the winner. We will be reacting to that on next week's show. On Wednesday, the Champions League group stage begins. Lyon host Arsenal. What a match that will be on Wednesday. And Chelsea travel to PSG on Thursday. No easy fixtures for them this week. Uh, quick one, Art. The Champions League is getting back with a bang, as we've just said. So <laughs> do you think that there's going to be any shock upsets or whether the English sides can can just get one over on these big rivals? Oh, I'm very. I, I'm hopeful more than expecting <laughs> the English sides to to win. I I just want to see, I guess, them be competitive and then go from there. Basically, because I think we've all seen kind of the difference of just the level uh, from domestic football to European football, and I, I'd like to see that gap bridged a bit more. So hopefully, there's some positive signs um, for that going into this week. By the end of the week, we're going to know how big that gap is, Art. Um, the Athletic Charlotte Harper is going to be at uh, some of those games as well. So keep an eye out for pieces from her. She'll be in France. Uh, in the WSL, Spurs host Manchester City in the big fixture of the weekend. Meanwhile, Arsenal travel to Liverpool and holders Chelsea will be welcomed by Brighton. And in the other games, Man United travel to Leicester. Villa host Everton and West Ham face Reading. Um, I'm going to be at that very early game game on Saturday where Spurs are hosting Man City. Oh, do you think that there's a challenge here, Karen, for the future? Can can City challenge Spurs at Spurs? Because they've they've been quite difficult to break down, haven't they, at home? Well yeah, it's interesting that you say that because obviously they've changed their home ground as well, you know. So the um <laughs> pardon pardon me for this, but like the dread about going to to the hive is um something that they can no longer have to worry about because the state of the pitch towards the end of the season was pretty gnarly. Um, so yeah, you know, like they, they've looked pretty comfortable uh, Spurs so far from what I've seen. Um, Ash Neville looks like she's very, very confident and, you know, Drew Spence has been a, a very, very good addition for Spurs and um, you know, the manager seems to be really happy with their performances so far. So yeah, I think they're going to feel pretty confident going into the weekend against city, but on the other hand, I think City is going to be very, very happy with the fact that they've just um, put together a pretty solid performance and really dominated Leicester. So I'm looking forward to this one. Something else to keep an eye on over the weekend on Saturday is the World Cup draw in New Zealand. We'll find out who plays who. Always love getting that information through, getting us ready for next year already. Uh, that's all we have time for on this week's Athletic Women's Football Podcast. A big thank you to Karen and Art for their time. Uh, what are you both up to then for the rest of the week, Art? Oh, uh, I need to figure out what my work week looks like <laughs> because I don't know at the minute. And then uh, I'll be going to Southampton for the men's Arsenal men's game uh, in wow. the Premier League. So hopefully they can stay top of the league for another week, but we shall see. No more trips abroad for you, Karen? <laughs> I don't know. I think with my work week so far, you can never really be too sure. <laughs> um, but no, I think a lot of it's going to be building up to the weekend. Um, so yeah, I'll be watching uh, the Champions League games, but then also some of the, the men's and women's games at the weekend as well in preparation for, I think, 
Premier League Sunday, I think is what I'm going to be doing. So who knows? <laughs> well, we hope that you have a good rest of your weeks anyway. Uh, also, thank you very much to you for listening. Uh, we love to get your comments on social media. Please get in touch at The Athletic UK. Also at Offside Rule Pod. We welcome you to do that any time of the day, as long as you're not expecting an immediate reply. See you next time. The Athletic.